This is the non-microwave truth, and I am C.L. Whiteside. We like to start this podcast off with something I call first world problem, because it's not really an issue, and it's something that first world countries got to worry about. So, in the news, Damar Hamlin, he passed out NFL football player, and tons of prayers being said for the young man, which was awesome. Tons of prayers. And one of the prayers that was said was by NFL ESPN analyst. And some of people, they, they love this because he prayed on TV. On set, he just started praying. Now, some people criticized him. And especially if you're in the world of Twitter, Twitter criticizes anything. They, they will criticize someone for a compliment that they made. And it's like you just finding something to nitpick with. But, th- but they, they do this. They prayed for DeMar Hamlin before the Jags and the Titans game last regular season on the midfield. So a lot of people have been on that. Let's pray for the brother, which is which is awesome. But some people criticized that NFL analyst and said he should have took it another level. And he should have ended the prayer in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus was needed, some would say. And I do kind of get that, though, because I remember asking someone like who they believe in. I might have told you all this before. And they were like, I believe in God. And I said, well, do you believe in Jesus? And they were like, no, more like the sun and the moon. And I'm like, what? And I do understand where some people say you need to be clear on who, who you are praying to. Are you praying to Yahweh? Are you praying to Yeshua? And this just made me think about praying, period. So this is our first world problem question today. Is there a specific way we as Christians should pray? I've heard some people say, you can't pray to Jesus. You got to pray to the Heavenly Father and you can't start with dear Jesus. You need to start with dear Heavenly Father. But I I don't know. I I don't necessarily agree with that. And the reason I say that is because I think you can pray to the Father, the Son or the Holy Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. Because the Bible teaches that there are three persons, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. But yet one God, like in Matthew 28, verse 19. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 4, emphasis on one God. So that means if we pray to the Father, we are praying to God. If we pray to the Holy Spirit, we are praying to God. If we pray to Jesus, we are praying to God. So when it comes to our prayer life, we can address God in some different ways. We can also address specifically the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. And I was just thinking like, man, that's that's one of the richest blessings we have as Christians because we have the gift of prayer. Like God speaks to us through his word, of course, but he also enables us to speak to him through prayer. So our first world problem question today is this. Do you think it is okay to pray to the Father, the Son or the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit? And do you think that you really, really, really should include Jesus's name in praying, especially when praying with others so that they know they know without a doubt you are praying to Jesus. You're not praying to the sun. You're not praying to the moon. You're not praying to the stars. You're not praying to I don't know. People might be having like a fairy God or something like that. But that's my question for you. Do you think you should do that? Do you think you have to do that? And another part of that question is, do you think that NFL ESPN analysts should be criticized? I definitely don't. But do you think that like, yeah, he definitely has to put Jesus into it. He definitely has to mention what God he's talking to. I don't think so, but I don't know. What do you think? 
I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is championlife23, and this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is Do It Big, Not Little. Like, what you talking about? We care about everything being big in our American culture, in our society. Probably, I would say, except our faith. Like, we put an emphasis on our money. Do it big. You got a big, big bankroll, big salary. Our marriage. Oh, my gosh. He got me the biggest diamond ever. Food. We want to supersize. Car. Need a bigger car. Bed. My babe was like, we need a king size bed. I don't want to cuddle with you with the queen. Like, dang, you going to do that to me, baby? TV. Bigger TV. Bigger TV to better TV. But do we think about that with our faith? And I would say usually we don't put that emphasis on our faith. We struggle with having faith in all that Jesus can do. Like God is there, but sometimes we're like, I don't know if he can do this for me. Or we put limitations on God. Faith in Jesus as our savior, but not as our healer. You know what? Jesus doesn't care about this problem or God doesn't want to bless you in that way. God doesn't want to do good in this way. God never allows amazing things to happen to me. But yet we would say we have faith. We all have doubts at times. And I just want to get on that that faith component, first of all. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, it tells us no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So so faith is a gift. This is not something where you can, I, I come to Jesus. I earned my faith. Nah, it's a gift. Ephesians 2, verse 8 tells us, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. So today we're going to look at some times where Jesus called someone or said someone had little faith or he said they had unbelief and then we're going to also look at some times where jesus said this person has great faith and as christians we want to do it big we want jesus to say nicole you have great faith brandon you have great faith chris you have great faith but why is it so difficult to have big faith or to have great faith We're going to look at that. First, we're going to look at from Matthew 17. This is when Jesus heals a demon possessed boy. And Jesus uses the phrase little faith. It says in Matthew 17, verse 14, when they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He said he has Caesars and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal them. So you got this. This man has already brought his son to the disciples and the disciples, they couldn't drive out the demons. But some of you might be thinking like the disciples, they're not Jesus. In Matthew 10, verse one, earlier, a few chapters earlier, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. So why couldn't they do this one? Why couldn't they drive out this, this demon? Continue on with verse 17 in Matthew chapter 17. It says, You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at the moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive out the demon? 
Jesus replied, because you have so little faith. Some different uh, versions say you don't have enough faith or because of your unbelief. One of them even said not having faith in the right thing. Jesus continues on and says, truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. So with that mustard seed. That has more to do with what kind of faith it is than how much faith there actually is. Placing the faith in God's hand and in God's power. That's the key with that, that mustard seed. Because we know a mustard seed is small, but a mustard seed can make something huge. And that's what he's talking about with moving up the mountain. And something that I, I was looking at this and thinking is just stronger faith can obtain different things, of course, than weaker faith. And then I just started thinking like, man, why couldn't the disciples do this? It also says in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, Jesus replied, this can come out only by prayer. And then some manuscripts say by fasting as well. And just thinking about this, the context, before this happened, Jesus had just had the transfiguration for six days. That means he took his three closest disciples up there. I can just imagine if I was one of the disciples that didn't get to come up there, I might be feeling some type of way. I might be questioning my mission. I might be saying like, dang, why didn't why didn't Jesus have me come up there with, with him? Why did he pick the other three instead of me? I might have some doubt all of a sudden, or I might just be a little arrogant and start feeling myself and thinking that the power comes from me. When in reality, it always comes from God. Or I could just be spooked, like seeing a little boy throw himself into the fire, or throw himself into the water. That's crazy. And at times we can start looking at the circumstances instead of looking at how good and awesome God is. And instead of putting my faith in God and what he has told me, I'm putting my faith in previous circumstances that to the common eye look all bad, look like there's no changing. Like the devil has some power. Some demons have power. They definitely have more power than you and I. They don't have more power than you and I with God. But by ourselves, they definitely have more power. So this is just one example of, of little faith. Or maybe I should say doubt or unbelief or faith in the wrong place. And just before we move on, I wanted to point out in verse 17, it talks about the unbelief of this generation. And in verse 20, it talks about the unbelief of his disciples. And I read something that talked about preachers or disciples because the disciples were, were preachers or pastors. They blame the congregation for not having great faith. But at the same time, the congregation blames the, the pastors. And I think especially people that share God's word, they have to. They have to be in communion. They have to have that relationship with Christ. And they just can't rely being in the pulpit or speaking or doing whatever they do and think that's going to be enough because all of us have have unbelief. And in both cases, is some truth to it. You know, faith is going to fall short at times. And I saw something where one scholar broke it down like this. He said, many are chargeable with unbelief who yet are not to be called unbelievers, like not supposed to be called unbelievers, but they definitely have some unbelief at times. Definitely have some doubts. We all do. Now, on this episode of Do It Big, Not Little, I want to look at Jesus walking on the water because this is something where we see that little faith, a little faith can get you somewhere. It can get you some amazing places, or I should say, allow you to do some amazing things through God. Matthew chapter 14 
starting at verse 22. So Jesus, he made the disciples get into a boat and head ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So if you didn't catch that, Jesus is walking on the water. He didn't swim out there. He's walking on top of the water. And no, it's not ice. It's water. So when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus answered, come. Then Peter got down out the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. This is where that phrase is at again. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, Peter Catches some heat because he sunk. But think about this. Nobody else on the boat was like, hey, let me walk on the water, especially with the waves going all crazy and splashing. No, but that faith, he had faith to go and walk on the water. But what got him? When you think about that, it talks about when he started to notice his surrounding, when he started to take his eyes off of Jesus. He definitely took some steps. He definitely came towards Jesus. It appears he was the only disciple that said, hey, let me come walk on the water with you, Jesus. The rest of them probably went in the boat scared like I ain't messing with that water. That's crazy. That's crazy. But just look at what a little faith did. None of us have walked on water. Right. And something that I think is super underrated, super underrated in this text is when he started to sink. He didn't say, oh, I'm about to try to swim out of this bad boy. He said, Lord, save me. Help. He called on the right person. Because if you ever seen anybody in some water and they going down, it's it's not funny, but it's funny. But yeah, he called on Jesus. Now, that's just what I want you to think about right now, though. In what areas of your life do you not have faith like you should? In what areas of your life would Jesus be saying to you, you a little faith or Hey, why did you doubt? Are you stepping out the boat despite the waves that you see? Are you fixing your eyes on Jesus? Big faith isn't about what you can do. It's about what God can do for you and with you and through you. And on this episode of Do It Big, Not Little, we have to look at some big faith examples. The first one I just want to briefly touch on comes from the centurion in Matthew 8. This is a, a Roman officer, a person who has some Roman power who came to Jesus and said, hey, could you please, could you please, Lord? Servant who lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus is like, all right, I will come and I will heal him. But the centurion replies to Jesus. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. And the centurion breaks down or, or shares his faith because he's like, man, I'm in charge over a lot of dudes. All I got to do is say it and they get it done. You in charge of everything. So I know if I can tell some dudes to do it and they're going to do it, 
if you tell or say that this man is going to be healed, then he's going to be healed. And Jesus was like, man, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I'm paraphrasing. But then Jesus said, you know what? Go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. That's Matthew 8 verses 5 through 13. Go read that. But the one that I wanted to close with, with the big faith, comes from Matthew 15, and that's from a Canaanite woman. And there are a lot of things to admire and to learn from this Canaanite woman, especially in the regards to, to having big faith or having great faith. And this is something that we all can and take lessons from. Starting at verse 21, it says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. So already just how she comes at him with the Lord, son of David, she's worshiping him. That's big faith. Big faith worships even when stuff sucks. What was so bad in her life? Oh, I'm going to tell you what was so bad. She says, my daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. That's bad. Just think about your child being demon possessed and just suffering. Now, something with this faith getting tested for sure. Her faith is getting tested. And remember this, when you're going through hardships and demonic obstacles, that can produce great faith. That can produce big faith. But it's focusing and worshiping comes despite if you think it's going good, despite if you think it's going well, despite if you think it's going horrible. Continuing on with verse 23, it says, Jesus did not answer a word. Ooh, Jesus did not answer a word. You ever pray sometimes and you just like, God, you really not answering my, my prayers? Like, are you ignoring me? Like, what's the deal? And literally, Jesus doesn't answer this woman. It goes on to say, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, man, for she keeps crying out after us. Big faith ignores naysayers. And we're going to see how this woman responded. But first, let's look at what Jesus said. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And what you see with this right away is that that big faith is humble. So he ignored her the first time. Then he says he only comes for the lost sheep of Israel. And what did she do? She knelt before him. She humbled herself. Jesus replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. A lot of people took that as disrespect. But this is a, a different way of speaking back in their times, especially with the dogs and, you know, family members and, and things of that nature. But regardless, I talked about that humble. Look at how this woman responds. She says, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And big faith remembers God is good. In a lot of cases, we get answers we don't want to hear. That invites for greater faith. And that gives us a greater range of perspective. This context is something like, yep, I know God has a special plan for the people of Israel, and I'm cool with that. But you're so good, God, and you're so awesome. I'll take what they don't want. Because you got to think about this. A lot of the people in Israel were rejecting Jesus at this time. And she says pretty much, I'll take the scraps. I'll take the crumbs. The crumbs from you are better than anything this world has to offer. And is all I or anyone needs. Because you are that awesome guy. You are that powerful. You are that good. But how many of us would have given up after we didn't get the answer that we want? 
we would have lost faith or we would have lost doubt. And like, God must not be real. God don't love me. But look at how Jesus responds to this woman because of her great faith. He says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Big faith, great faith. It's persistent. It doesn't give up. And we see that with this Canaanite woman. And I know it's a lot of you right now who have different things that you have been praying for God with. You have been, it, it could be something for 10, 15, 20 years. And you're looking at God and saying like, man, God, I, I'm being persistent in this. But don't give up. Make sure your faith is in the right place. Make sure that your faith is not rooted in necessarily what you can do, but in what God can do for you, what God can do through you. And something that we saw with Peter one of the first things that Peter had to do was Peter had to get out the boat and take a step. So part of having faith that we see with the centurion, we, we see with this Canaanite, what we see with Peter is that God did call for something for them to do. In some cases, it was taking a step. In some cases, it's just going and continuously calling on him. In some cases, it's taking the no and understanding that God is still good. Our perception of God changes sometimes when he tells us no or when he tells us wait. It's not God that needs to change. Our perspective needs to change. Our trust needs to change. The place that we are storing our faith in needs to change. God is our savior. He's our healer. He's our everything. And have faith that he can do everything. And nothing with him is impossible. And this is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Do It Big, Not Little. Hopefully I have something special for you next week. I think I'm going to be able to record the episode and put it on YouTube and attempt to be bald and beautiful so you can see me. We'll see. I gotta, I gotta make it work. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.